Worldview Evangelism and Counseling Class Number 4, talking about morality and comparing morality with the three metaphysical realities that we've been discussing. question that often comes up that Christians get asked, what is the source of morality and where does it come from? So if someone was to ask you that question, how would you answer it? The most basic way of doing so is saying, Morality comes from the very character of God himself. We see in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, that human beings are created in God's image. Being created in God's image, we are to reflect his moral character perfectly at all times. We see this in Genesis chapter 2, when Adam and Eve were created, they did this. Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered into the human race, we no longer do this. We no longer reflect the moral character of God in everything we think, say, or do. We take a look at the world today. We wonder why it's becoming such a dark place to live. So much wickedness and evil appears to be everywhere. It's because we have gotten away from what we have called to be. God has called us and created us to reflect his image perfectly. And all suffering and evil comes from the fact and our failure that we do not do this. So understanding ethics, ethics originates from the infinite personal creator. That's where it starts. And he has created that within his creation, which is why we all have a concept of morality. We have a conscience. We understand right from wrong. We understand that harming people is not a good thing. Stealing is not a good thing. Murder is not a good thing. Coveting is not a good thing. Lying, gossiping, these are not good things. Our conscience gets bothered when we do these things, showing that we're living contrary to how God has created us. So ethics simply defined as what ought to be. What ought to be based upon God's moral character. What ought to be based upon God's special revelation that he's given to us in his word. We see this. Psalm 145.17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. So that righteousness that God is, is the righteousness that we want to reflect. That righteousness that God has created in us as image bearers of himself is what we want to reflect in everything that we do. So now shifting gears, going from the Christian worldview to the impersonal worldview, the pantheistic or the atheistic worldview. How does morality look when we look at a worldview that doesn't have an infinite loving creator at the start? Rather, a worldview like atheism that doesn't believe God has ever existed, or a pantheistic worldview that believes God is impersonal and that he's unknowable. Where do morals and ethics arrive when you don't have God at the start? And the position that they take is morals and ethics are relative and they're subjective. Each person or each group of people make their own morality. Morality to an atheist is not absolute for all people in all places. Now, they may believe this to be true, that absolutes do not exist, but they cannot live this way. They are inconsistent here, as we're going to see. To them, morality is relative. Because there is no infinite personal God. So if there is no infinite reference point for our morality, if there's not a God who has created us, 
if we are here by random chance through the processes of evolution and human beings are at the center of the universe, then it is up to human beings to create their own morality for themselves. That's the position of the naturalist or the anti-supernaturalist or the atheist or the pantheist, that there are no such things as moral absolutes. There isn't a God who has created us. There isn't a God who has created morality. We are not created in God's image. Rather, morality is subjective and it's relative based upon each individual person or group of people. So an atheist may believe that this is true for themselves, that they make their own morality in life, but they cannot consistently live like this. In fact, it is impossible to live with no moral absolutes. In order for moral absolutes to exist, an absolute moral creator must exist as well. Otherwise, we would have no concept of morality whatsoever. And since God does exist, this is why we see the moral notions, the moral desires naturally flow out of human beings because we have been made in the image of God. It's a reality not even the atheist can escape. So carry this through to its logical conclusion. If morality is relative and not absolute, a person's good works and bad works are really no different. If there aren't any values to our ethics and our morality and our decisions, then they simply are what they are. You cannot assign a value to something unless you have absolutes. If things are relative, if morality is relative, then there's really no meaning or substance behind our choices. What we do is simply what we do. The second you place value on it, you have to have an absolute that backs up that value. If you don't have absolutes, there aren't any value to our choices. So morality, to somebody who does not believe in God, is simply all what we do. People can't live this way. The atheist cannot live this way consistently. So they are constantly putting value systems upon choices, value systems upon actions people make. But if you take away God and everything is relative and everything is subjective, and there really are no absolutes, then things just simply are. They cannot be assigned any value of good or bad because everything that exists is either material, everything that exists is simply what our brains are doing, or according to a pantheist, everything we do is of God anyways. God is everything, good, bad, evil, moral, immoral. Everything is an emanation from God, according to a pantheist. What we do then is simply what we do. We have unity in the impersonal worldview. Meaning, the pantheist believes that we are all united in one because we all come from the same source, God, everything being God. But diversity cannot be accounted for, according to the pantheistic worldview. We understand unity because we all come from the same source. But how do you explain diversity? How do you explain the one and the many? How do you explain things being different? How do you explain morality coming from an impersonal, unknowable God? Why is something good versus why is something bad if everything is God 
if God is all and all is God, the earth is God, I am God, you are God, everything is God, then everything simply is. But we can't live this way. The pantheist cannot live this way. The atheist cannot live this way. So the question we must ask is, how can morality be derived from an impersonal, unknowable God? And the answer is it can't. God must exist. Morality cannot be anything more than what a person decides to do for themselves if God doesn't exist, meaning there can't be any values of right and wrong placed on any action if God doesn't exist because it just simply exists. There's no value. There's no standard behind which we can judge somebody's thoughts, somebody's words, or somebody's actions. So the problem then, this can be professed as one's belief. People can say this all day long. People can say morality is relative. People can say morality is subjective, but they cannot live consistency consistently within these parameters because contradiction indicates an inconsistent belief. This is what's known as the law of non-contradiction. A cannot equal negative A. Something cannot be true and false at the same time. This contradiction, that everything is relative and subjective, is illogical. It refutes itself, therefore it can't be true. Something cannot be both true and false at the same time. So let's take a look at some examples here. For instance, Hinduism. Hinduism teaches reincarnation. That through cyclical rebirths, you are working off your karma until you are absorbed into the world's soul. Reincarnation. Christianity teaches resurrection, that the body will be risen one day to meet with our soul as we stand before the Lord. Both cannot be true at the same time. Both Hinduism and Christianity cannot both be true at the same time. Either we reincarnate or we are resurrected, but both can't be true. Another example, Jesus is fully God and fully man. This is the traditional orthodox teaching of the church. Another teaching is Jesus is the first creation of God, the Father. So Jesus isn't eternal, but he is the first creation of God. And this is what Arius taught in the third century, which brought the Council of Nicaea. And today the Jehovah's Witness teach the same thing, that Jesus is the first created being of the Father. We believe as Christians, Jesus is eternal. But Arians and the Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was created. Both of these cannot be true at the same time. Either one is correct or they're both wrong, but they both can't be true. So either something is relative or subjective regarding morality or it's absolute. They both can't be true at the same time. And when we see this inconsistency with those who claim atheism or when we see this inconsistency with those who believe in pantheism, it's a first sign that indicates that they have inconsistency in their belief, that they contradict themselves, that they break the law of non-contradiction. So starting from the impersonal, morals cease to be morals. Absolute standards cannot exist or even come into one's mind since there wouldn't be any concept of antithesis or there wouldn't be any concept of right and wrong, A not equaling negative A. But we do have a concept of absolute right and wrong. It does exist. We even live that way without realizing at times absolute standards exist. It's unescapable. Anytime we hear of a tragedy, 
anytime we hear of somebody overdosing with drugs or we hear a tragedy at a school with a school shooting, these are absolutes. These are not good things. These are not just simply relative or subjective. These are bad. Murder is evil. Stealing from somebody is wrong. Telling a lie about somebody is wrong. These are all absolutes. These are not relative. These are not subjective. Absolute standards exist. And if absolute standards exist, as a conclusion, God must exist. The atheists can deny this all they want, but they cannot live consistently as if absolutes do not exist or if they're not real. Since we're created by a perfect moral God, good exists. Perfection has existed within the Godhead for all eternity. Anything contrary to the actions of God are considered evil. When we think of the nature of evil, evil is parasitic. Evil perverts that which is good. We human beings introduced evil into the world when we rebelled against God, God's perfect moral standards. And because we have re rebelled against God's perfect moral standards, evil exists in this world. And because evil exists in this world, now we have suffering. Now we have death. Now we have misery because we have chosen to live uh, in opposition to how God has created us perfectly in his image. So a common answer is then, what, how does an atheist respond? Where does morality come from? And this is where we get the concept of evolutionary ethics. Evolutionary ethics teaches human beings are highly evolved animals. And in order to understand our personality, in order to understand our morality, what we do is we attempt to figure out when our ancestors developed our personal characteristics and morality. So at what point in human history did human nature evolve the concept of morality? That's evolutionary ethics. Understanding the mind is an adaptation as we view it in the background of prehistoric environment, which evolved. So at the very beginning, humanity did not have morality, but over a period of time, hum, uh, morality and the concept of right and wrong evolved into the human conscience. And from the evolutionary standard, evolutionary standpoint, as humans continue to procreate, these moral standards were ingrained into our human nature. And that's why we are the way we are today. This is how we understand where we have come from. There's some serious questions here and serious objections to this. The first one is, why does the concept of morality even exist when all that exists is matter? To an evolutionist, to an atheist, to a materialist who believes all that exists is matter, how does any concept of right and wrong even come into existence? How does human personality evolve? from material that has no personality. Where does that concept even come from? If what exists today is a result of randomness, then what is simply is. No value can be placed upon anything. Because it's here by random chance, it simply exists. It's neither good nor evil. It just simply exists. These are the objections that I've yet to see an atheist be able to answer. 
The common response from the atheist is evolutionary ethics, but when you carry evolutionary ethics through to its logical conclusion, it has to start with something. Ethics and moral have to start with an infinite personal God or they won't exist at all. If you just start with the material world, you will never come to the concept of right and wrong. Which now brings us to the concept of the law of human nature. The law of human nature is the standard of behavior where a person expects the other person to unconsciously or naturally follow. Meaning, play by the rules. Respect. Decent behavior. When you watch the World Cup, when you watch one country from one part of the world play against another country from another part of the world, it's just a given. There's rules, there's respect, and there's decent behavior. One culture doesn't come into the game and cheat, therefore it's okay. While the other culture comes into the game and plays by the rules, everybody plays by the same set of rules. Everybody has the common understanding and the common respect and the common decency of behavior. This is naturally ingrained in all people in all places. So the question is, is how can there be wrong play? How can there be disrespect? How can there be indecent behavior if there are no moral standards and if there are no moral laws to follow? There won't be anything right. There won't be anything wrong. It simply will be. But if at one moment a person says, look, that's not right. What they are indicating is they have a sense of an absolute standard that is being violated. Remember, I used to work with troubled youth about 10 years ago, and there was this kid named Eric. This kid named Eric was probably the most troubled kid I've ever seen, probably the most troubled kid I'd ever worked with. He just had this natural inclination to do the wrong thing every single time. And when working with him, some of the staff members that I was working with would often say, you know, it's not really his fault. He doesn't understand the concept of right and wrong, most likely due to the fact that his mother drank when he was in the womb and he's suffering from fetal alcohol syndrome. So that constant that what happened when his mom drinking when he was in the womb has affected his cognitive abilities to the point where he doesn't have any concept of morality. That's some some of the conclusions that I was hearing from the staff I was working with. And as I listened to that, after working with this kid for so long and getting to know him so well, I knew he understood right and wrong perfectly. So I spoke up when some of the staff members were speaking about this. And I said, look, you know, he hurts other people and you think he doesn't know what he's doing is wrong. But I challenge you, when he's sitting there playing a video game, Go and just grab that controller from him. When he's sitting there eating lunch, go take his food away from him and start eating it in front of him. See how he reacts. And how does he react when anybody does anything wrong to him? He's the first one to cry foul. He's the first one to say, that's wrong. That's not fair. So from a simple observation, you can see he has a concept of morality. He has an understanding of absolutes. He has an understanding of right and wrong. The fact that he hurts others doesn't mean he doesn't understand what's right and wrong. The quick test to that is to see when he is wrong, does he object? And he did every single time. So this concept of morality is ingrained with every, within every single person. It's a result of being created in God's image. So the law of human nature, playing by the rules, respect, decent behavior, it's a universal law that transcends all cultures over the whole world throughout human history. 
No culture has ever promoted stealing other person's belongings as something that's good. No culture has ever promoted treason. No culture has ever promoted running away in battle. No culture ever found it acceptable to lie to other people. So selfishness, ego, racism, slavery, these things have never been admired. Human beings all over the world have this understanding that they ought to believe and they ought to behave in a certain way. This is the law of human nature. Every culture has a system of justice. When people try to deviate from this, they can't live within it consistently. When they try to deny this, they cannot live life consistently like this. They always revert back to the law of human nature at some point. It's just ingrained within us. It's impossible to live otherwise. So the law of human nature is not merely a person living according to their own instincts. But what we see here is people have choices. And if people have choices, then they have responsibility. To do this is right. To do the opposite is wrong. You have a choice and you are responsible for that choice. A couple examples. If you're late for work and you're speeding, you know it's wrong, but you do it anyways. How do you know it's wrong? Because the first time you see a cop, what do you do? You step on the brake because you know you're breaking the law. The circumstances don't dictate what you do. The circumstances don't justify what you're doing to be right. If you're speeding, you're breaking the law. Another example, as an, as an elderly woman, if she drops her groceries, it's just inherent within any human being to help her and to pick her up. You can either help her with her groceries or you can do nothing. One is right, the other is wrong. That is common human practice. It's ingrained within every single human being. The law of human nature is a result of being created in God's image. And we see this in Romans 2, verses 14 through 15, where Paul writes, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 2 is that the Gentiles who do not have the written Ten Commandments, when they perform the Ten Commandments without having them written down, without ever being at Mount Sinai to see Moses come down with them, their own human nature shows that they have the moral law of God written on their hearts because they are created in God's image. That is a law to themselves. And it excuses them or it accuses them, meaning it pricks their conscience when they break it. So the law of human nature, the law of absolutes and morality, decent, fair play, living by the standards, living by the rules, is for all people at all times. Which brings us now to the moral argument for God's existence. So if we wanted to write this out in a syllogism, it goes like this. For an objective moral standard to exist, God must exist. An objective moral standard does exist. Therefore, God exists. Or an easier version of the moral argument. If God does not exist, objective moral values don't exist. But objective moral values do exist. Therefore, God exists. So we can put this in a classic syllogism and it makes sense. Morality cannot be accounted for or explained 
within the atheistic, pantheistic worldview system. Personality cannot be accounted for or explained with an atheistic, pantheistic worldview. Now, this does not believe, this does not mean that an atheist cannot be a moral person. There are plenty of atheists that I have met who are very moral people. But what it does mean is they cannot explain why morality exists, why moral notions exist, and why they are doing what they're doing. They may say, well, this is just how I feel. This is just what I believe. Well, why? Where does the concept of morality come from? If we are a product of random chance through evolution, and all we are is material, molecules, and chemicals that have come together and evolved a human being, where does the concept of morality come from? Any absolute standard. If God does not exist, you cannot explain why morality exists. This has been the trouble for the atheist since this has been around. So shifting gears now, if we find ourselves talking with somebody coming out of our postmodern culture that we see, somebody who holds to what we've been referring to as subjective morality or moral relativism, question we want to ask is the concept of injustice today is popular. How can there be injustice in the world if there are no absolutes and there is no God? When you cry foul, when you say that was unjust, when you say that was wrong, if there are no absolutes and there is no God, how can there be any concept of injustice at all? So the question is, is to refute this line of reasoning. Refute this. There are no absolutes, just personal preference. Absolutes are imposed on us by those who desire power. Injustice is the biggest problem we face today and must be purged from society. I challenge you to refute that line of reasoning from the Christian worldview. It's very common today, most postmodern postmodernists hold to this, that there are no absolutes, there's just personal preference. Absolutes are imposed on us by those who desire power. And injustice is the biggest problem we face today and must be purged from society. So what we just discussed regarding moral absolutes. How would you use the Christian worldview in scripture to refute what most postmodernists hold to today? Another question. How can the same people who believe that nobody should force their morality upon them, that view anyone in authority telling them what to do as oppressive, turn around and accuse people of being unjust, hateful, bigoted, and narrow-minded. Let me say that again. How can the same people who believe that nobody should force their morality on them, that anyone telling them what to do is considered oppressive, then turn around and accuse people of being unjust, hateful, bigoted, and narrow-minded? So what we see here is a dual standard. You can't force your morality on me, somebody will say today. And at the same time, they see somebody doing something they don't like or have a different opinion than what they, than what they hold to. They're the first ones to say we are being unjust, that we are being hateful, that we are bigoted 
and that we are narrow-minded. So you see the dual standard here. On one side of the coin, they claim there are no absolutes, that you can't force any morality upon anybody else, that it's their choice to make. And at the same time, when an individual crosses that line and breaks their moral value system, they're the first one to come out and claim that you have done something wrong. So they go from having a standard of relativism to being absolute by the snap of the finger, and they don't even see that they've just contradicted everything that they've stood up for. So this is what we want to do. Point out the inconsistency and point out the necessity of the biblical worldview. Point out the inconsistency in their logic and in their reasoning, and then show them that the only reason we have any concept of morality and the only reason why absolutes exist is because the infinite personal God exists. People can believe no objective moral law exists. They can believe that all they want, but they can't consistently live that way. Everybody believes in objective morality because we've been created this way. We have the law of God written on our hearts. It's a reality that cannot be escaped. Injustice can only be real if moral absolutes are real. If everything is relative, if everything is subjective, if you can't force your value system on somebody else, then injustice ceases to exist. Injustice can only exist if an infinite personal moral God exists who set the rules. Therefore, injustice can only exist if a logical, moral, and consistent God has created the world. Injustice ceases to exist if everything is relative and subjective based upon people's opinions, standards, or statistical averages.